Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Let's pray. Let's get into the Word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Um, Tonight we've been talking around um, every joint supplying in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. And we've been taking a look at that. Still in that line, I think it was uh, about two weeks ago after the service and I was, was going home and the Lord dropped this phrase in my spirit, just, just in my inward man. I heard the words, the healing anointing is within the body of Christ. You know, I've never... I've never really read it from anywhere or seen it anywhere, but it came up, up in my spirit, my inward man. The healing anointing is within the body of Christ. And um, after I heard those, that phrase in my heart, I was just thinking about it. And uh, the picture I got in my spirit, which is the basis of this teaching, was the fact that you know, many times when people want to get healed or they're trusting God to receive healing, somehow in their mind, there's this thing of they're looking to either encounter one anointed man of God. Alright? So, we've got this big man of God and he's got the healing anointing in his life or I've got to go to this place so I can receive uh, the healing that I need. And of course, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Bible tells us that there are those in the body of Christ with the healing, uh, the the gifts of healings, when the Lord distributes the gift. But essentially, I I believe that what the Spirit of God was trying to put across in my heart to release to the body of Christ was the fact that God's ultimate design is not for people to wait until they encounter a big man of God or encounter a specially anointed man of God before they can receive healing. That's one. Number two, the anointing that heals flows from the head, Jesus, into his body, so that healing anointing is present in the body of Christ. We don't have to wait for it to come. We don't have to look for it to come. The anointing to heal, let me put it this way. The basic anointing to get any sickness healed is already existing in the body of Christ. Whether you receive it or not is left for you. Are, are you following that? So that's, that's like the summary of the message. So I want to backtrack and let's build on this. Let's go to Psalm 133. And I really, really need you to, to pay attention tonight because uh, this message will put a responsibility on your spiritual life and your spiritual walk. Psalm 
Psalm 133. Let's look at verse 1. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Now, you realize that in Ephesians chapter 4, when we started dealing with the issue of the fivefold ministry and the body of Christ, one of the things that would emphasize strongly is what? Unity. You remember that? Are you here? Remember that? Unity was emphasized very strongly. Now, it says, How good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head. Now, I need you to follow this now. It's like the precious oil upon the head coming down upon the beds. Even Aaron's bed. It is like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing forevermore. Now, I want you to pay attention particularly to verse 2. It says, it is like the precious oil upon the head, coming down upon the bed, even Aaron's bed. Now, the, the picture here, it's the picture of the priestly anointing. When Aaron was um, ordained as a high priest, what happened is that during the consecration, they poured oil on his head. And he says, when brothers come together, and I need you to follow this. When brothers come together, it is like that time. It is like that consecration of Aaron. That they had, the oil was poured on his head and it flowed down its bed and flowed down to where? To its skirt. Now, it means that that anointing came on the head of Aaron first. But then it flowed all over his body. Do you follow that? The anointing came on the head of Aaron first and it flowed all over his body. Okay. Now, let's go to Exodus 30 and let's see that consecration. Exodus chapter 30. So you need to follow me very patiently. And follow the discourse. Exodus chapter 13 and verse 22. Exodus chapter 13 and verse 22. Exodus 30, 22. Moreover, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Take also for yourself the finest of spices. Of flowing myrrh, 500 shekels. Of frangnan cinnamon, half as much. That's 250 shekels. 250. And of frangrant cane, 250. And of cassia, 500. According to the shekel of the sanctuary. And of olive oil, a hin. You shall make of these a holy anointing oil. And I think I've, I've spoken to you before about the constitution of the anointing oil. You know, what sometimes we buy as the anointing oil today is just olive oil. But if you look at Exodus chapter 30, olive oil was part of what constituted the anointing oil. 
These other things, the cinnamon and all of those things listed, were to be mixed in the right measure to produce the anointing oil. So you shall make of this a holy anointing oil, a perfume mixture, the work of a perfumer. It shall be a holy anointing oil. With it, you shall anoint the tent of meeting and the ark of the testimony and the table and all its utensils and the lampstand and all its utensils and the altar of incense and the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils and the lava and its stand. Now, I was talking about all the things in the tabernacle. And the reason for the anointing is to signify that these things have been set apart for the use of the worship of God. Then he goes on to say, You shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister as priests to me. Now, the consecration or the anointing of Aaron was to set them apart as ministers, as holy priests unto the Lord. Alright? Was to set them apart as priests unto the Lord. Then he says, And you shall speak to the sons of Israel, saying, This shall be a holy anointing oil to me throughout your generations. It shall not be poured on anyone's body, nor shall you make any like it in the same proportion. It is holy, and it shall be holy to you. Um, whoever shall mix any of it like it, or whoever puts any of it on a lame shall be cut off from his people. So the oil was so anointed and so holy that you were not even permitted to mix it or to put it on the flesh of anybody. If you mixed it or you put it on the flesh of anybody, you would be separated from the congregation. But the, what I want you to get here was the fact that, or is the fact that, that anointing came upon Aaron and he set Aaron apart and his sons to minister, to serve as priest unto the Lord. Now, the picture I want you to get here is the fact that when that anointing came upon Aaron, or that anointing oil came upon Aaron, it consecrated the whole of his body. Remember what we're talking about. The healing anointing is within the body of Christ. Alright? Now, it consecrated the whole of his body. What that means is that you cannot say that only the head of Aaron was anointed. When that anointing came upon Aaron, everything concerning him, including the flow of his skirts, and you know, use the word skirts because of the kind of garments they used to wear there, then, carried that anointing. Now, I want you to put that in what we're teaching today. We must understand that the same anointing that's in the life of Jesus is available in the body of Christ. I really need you to follow me patiently. Are you following this now? That same anointing in the life of Jesus is available as in its presence in the body of Christ. The head cannot be anointed and the body is not. The head cannot be anointed and the body is not. Are you still here? Are you still here? Are you here? Alright. Now, I want you to go somewhere. Go to 1 Corinthians. We're talking about discerning the Lord's body. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Now, I need to pay attention to this very carefully. 1 Corinthians 11. First Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 17. 
<laughs> but in giving instruction, in giving this instruction, I do not praise you. Because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, observe this. Remember, when we read Psalm 133, one of the things that was emphasized on the mountain when brothers come together is when they dwell in what? Unity. Pay attention to that word. Because that word is very important. It's very important. It's the core of the body. You cannot talk about a body without unity. For in the first place, when you come together as, as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you. So Paul's writing to the Corinthians Christians in Corinth. Say, when you come, I hear that there are divisions among you. And in part, I believe it. Okay? For there must also be factions among you, so that those who are approved may become evident among you. Therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. He's talking about when they took communion. For in your eating, each one takes his own supper first. And one is hungry and another is drunk. Huh? So they come for the Lord's Supper. Before they will pray, one person after they are just taking his Lord's Supper. And other people are hungry. And some of them are drunk. <laughs> What? Do you not have houses in which to eat and drink? Huh? You know, sometimes you find it in church. You know, anything that's happening, if you study the Bible carefully, you'll find it. You'll find it in church. For instance, you've got a church meeting, you've got a law feast. And they say, well, we've got a law feast for every member of the church. And you will see some people will take three cans of drink. And if Paul were to write to you, he would say, brother, don't you have drink in your house? Do you, do you understand? Because the essence of a love feast is not to show how much you can consume. It's to show love. And it was happening. And, and, and you know, sometimes it happens. It doesn't happen here. You know, sometimes it happens, the church workers who are connected. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? You understand? They take the bigger portion. Because they have connection in church. They know where the things are. And that's what Paul was trying to address here. He says, listen, when we come for the Lord's Supper, it's not to show our connections. It's not to show, you know, you know, even in church, you know, when you go to parties and you don't know anybody, you might likely stay hungry. You know, it can even happen in church, right? We have a love feast in church and you don't know one of the ushers. You know, drink can just go in one direction until somebody will say, we're here now. They say, we're coming. In church. Because the first, you know, the first reasons why deacons were appointed in the church was not a spiritual reason. It was quarrel over food. Food has been causing issues for a very long time. Some of the widows were neglected and all the widows carried a placard and said, no, 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 no. We have to address these issues. You know, so Paul was talking about that. So Paul says, what? Do you not have houses in which to eat and drink? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? He says, do you come in such a way that in your love feast, you make those who don't have anything ashamed? Do you make the poor ashamed in your midst? We're going somewhere. You've got to follow me carefully. We're talking about the body. Every joint supplying. And this was an attitude that people had before the Lord's Supper. And look at what he says. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? He says, in this I will not praise you. 
Then he goes on to say, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks in brought and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way he took the cup also after the supper, saying, The cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. I, I'm going to spend time to teach on the Lord's Supper and the communion because uh, there, there's a lot of understanding in that area, but I'll just leave it the way it is. But if you read this carefully, verse 26, says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Okay? So let me just give you something to study further. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. But the basis of Christianity is the Lord's resurrection. The Lord didn't just die. He rose. Okay. Let me pause that. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Now, now, you know, sometimes when we read this, we say, okay, don't drink the cup in an unworthy manner. Now, what is the unworthy manner? There's a context to the unworthy manner. What's the unworthy manner? <laughs> Want to give it a try? <laughs> What's the unworthy manner? Okay, from what we have been reading, what do you think the unworthy manner would, would be? Huh? Huh? What do you think? Sorry? The weather is not pleasant. But he, he, he already told us an attitude they had towards others. He already told us an attitude. Okay, well, let's read on. You'll see Paul clarify something here. He said, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly, or if he doesn't discern the body rightly. So, in the, the unworthy manner that Paul was talking about here was in reference to their attitude towards the body of Christ. Do you understand it? I know now this is conflicting with a lot of things you have heard about unworthy manner. <laughs> you know, some people say, well, if you have sin, don't take the communion. If, if you have sin, don't drink the communion. If the blood of Jesus is what cleanses you from all unrighteousness, that's the more reason you should drink it. Are you hearing this? I've also sometimes heard people say, well, you can't give the communion to children. And I ask them a simple question. Would you allow your children to be filled with the Holy Ghost? And he said, yes. So I said, the communion and the Holy Ghost, which is more important? It's simple. Would you allow your child to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And he said, yes, I'll allow them to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. So if your child can be baptized with the Holy Ghost, what stops your children from taking the communion? Some of these things are just man-made interpretations and man-made doctrine. The essence of salvation 
is that man becomes the temple of God. That's the greatest thing. Every other thing is extra. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We'll, we'll take time to examine and teach around this. Look at this. It, it, it says, verse 29, it says, For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly, if he does not discern the body rightly, if he does not understand the body of Christ. Because right from the up, uh, upmost verse, he's been talking about their attitude when they come together. It was an attitude of division. It was an attitude of despising certain people. It was an attitude of putting them first, themselves first, grabbing, eating, not paying attention to others. Now look at what he says. He says, For this reason, for this reason, what reason? The unworthy manner by which they went through the communion, and, and I'll tell you something here, the communion was primarily a symbol of fellowship. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It wasn't just about the bread and the wine. It was a symbol of covenant. It was a symbol of fellowship. Now, it says, it says, for this reason, what singular reason? Because they do not discern the body of Christ. Because they do not judge the body of Christ's reason. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick and in number sleep. In fact, that word sleep is a number die. It's death. That's what Jesus said when he was referring to Lazarus. That he sleep, he's sleeping. It's death. So the Bible says that if we don't design the body rightly, it can lead to sickness, it can lead to weakness, and it can even lead to death. And it's very easy. The number one reason why there's a lot of sickness in the body of Christ is because of the spirit of strife. Strife, anger, jealousy, bitterness... You find us so strong in our midst, and that's one of the reasons why we don't see the stronger flow of the healing power of God. If you want to walk in divine health, you must learn to let things go of your heart. Are you hearing what I'm saying? These things, they don't have an x-ray for them. It's the x-ray of the word that will design your thoughts, your bone and your marrow that can find these things. And that's, that's, that's one of the reasons why you find people sick. A lot of deep-seated heart, deep-seated bitterness, unforgiveness. Not judging the body rightly. Not judging the body rightly. And you know the scripture, the scripture says that if you have a gift on your altar and you want to pray and you have anything against your brother, it says go and forgive your brother. Go get that thing sorted. Go get that thing sorted. If anything can touch your love walk, Satan can get a hold of your health. When you forgive people, it's not for their good. It's for your longevity. You know, you know there are people who are masters of malice. Double-sided, two-faced. They can smile with the enemy. And laugh with the enemy and drink with the enemy. But deep down in their heart... But let's leave that. We're not talking about that. Now, let's go here now. Let's go to Matthew chapter 9. So you see that because they didn't discern the Lord's body. So it tells us that how we treat the body of Christ affects us also. And that's why we must really understand this message. Because the body of Christ 
is not just, how do I put it? It's not just a mystical body in that sense. It is something that is viable, that's got anointing, that's got life in it. You know, sometimes I, I call people, and, and I'll talk about, and, and I say, hey, why are you in church today? They say, oh, I didn't come because I wasn't feeling well. That's the more reason you should get yourself to church. That's the more reason you should get in the body. Because all of us coming together to worship our God, there is an anointing in our midst that can break the yoke and get you free. Praise God. Now, Matthew chapter 9 verse 20, I I really hope tonight you can get my heart in what I'm sharing. This is more of a prophetic message than probably a teaching message as it is. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 20. You know the story. The woman with the issue of blood. Right? And a woman who had been suffering from um, hemorrhage for 12 years came up and touched the fringe of his cloak or touched the hem of his garment. Now, do you remember what we read in Psalm 133? That the anointing upon Aaron flows down to where? To his skirts. Right? Now, when you look at this woman with the issue of blood, and when she touched Jesus, she touched the hem of Jesus' garment. Um, for she said, if I only touch his garment, I'll be made whole. You remember when Jesus, when, when she touched the hem of Jesus' garment, the, the Bible says Jesus stood still and said, virtue has left me. Power had left me. So that means the woman contacted power by touching the hem of Jesus' garment. That means the body of Jesus and the hem of Jesus' garment already carried the anointing. She had to lay hold on it. Because when Jesus turned and looked at that woman, he didn't say, my prayer has made you whole. What did, what did he say to the woman? Your faith has made you whole. Why? Because the power is constant. You determine how much of that power is made available to you. Are you following this? Are you understanding this? The power was there. So, you know, Jesus was walking, right? Walking and people were around him. In fact, when Jesus turned and said, uh, who touched me? Peter said, why are you asking who touched you? People, everybody's person around you are asking who touched you. You know that it was because it was Jesus. Probably that's why Peter put that question that way. Yeah. Do you imagine everybody in this church walking with me and I turn and I, and I talk to any of my leaders and say who touched me and they're like pastor how can you be saying who touched you you know when you read it with bible sense you put a bit of spirituality into it but you know that's how that question really is how can you say who touched you and you are seeing everybody here and you are saying who touched you <laughs> but this was a different kind of touch because Although the power was available, not everybody touched Jesus with faith. So, there, there might be people there that day who actually went back home with their sickness. You need to follow me tonight. There might be people who went back home with their sickness, not because Jesus is not powerful, but they did not discern his body. And they did not discern that the anointing was in the body. So let me give you an example, right? Um, someone can come into the service and just say, 
I will, you've heard those testimonies. I had this pain, I had this thing, and I just said if I touch uh, maybe my pastor or something, something, or I go to where the place is and I take this and this thing and I'll be healed, right? And then people come and they say they were healed, right? Now, the, the truth of the matter is that the power is available. You need to activate it. That's why, <laughs> that's why sometimes you've asked, sometimes you, you know, people sometimes wonder, that why does a minister who is so anointed die with sickness? Have you ever asked yourself that question? So this man is so anointed. Why will sickness kill him? Two things. Number one, I don't know why. That's number one. <laughs> number two, this is what I know. The anointing on your life is for those you have been called to. God doesn't anoint me for me. If I want to get healed, I need to use my faith like every other believer to get myself healed. And this is what I also know. Most ministers, when they get sick, I'm not saying this judgmentally, I'm saying this, I'm not saying this in the sense of judgment. I'm, I'm saying this just as saying it. Most ministers, when they get sick, over time, because of how they have taught on the healing anointing and healed people, and you know, most ministers feel almost like, How can you now tell people that I'm sick? So, when most ministers are sick, their members are not aware. Many people are not aware. So, they deal with it secretly. But that also is an issue. Because when a minister is sick, one of the things you should do at that time is to humble yourself and get in touch with another minister who's got the anointing and put yourself as a member of the body of Christ and receive from his grace. Because the healing anointing is within the body. God is not going to do anything from heaven to set you free. Whatever God needs to do to get you free is already accomplished and is already within the body of Christ. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are times I felt sick, I felt symptoms of sickness, and I stand in front of the mirror, and in you know, you know, this body is just this is not me. This is just my case. My real me is is my spirit. You know, so in my in my mind, I would stand independent of this body and lay my hands on myself and minister to myself and receive healing for myself. I can't just assume that I'll live in divine health. Divine health is not the reward God gives me for serving Him. Because everybody else is serving Him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So it's not that I don't get sick because, ah, He's a man of God. God just gave Him one special anointing. No. I use my faith. I speak health over my body every day. I speak over my organs every day. I use my faith. I speak to myself. I listen to healing tapes. I get myself immunized in the Word. I will have to do that because the anointing on my life is for people. It's for those the Lord has called me to, to minister to. And that is why sometimes even when my faith is not there and I still minister to people, they get healing because God is using me as a vessel. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, so, so, so this woman touched Jesus. So that anointing is in Jesus, is in Jesus, was there already. So all the woman had to do was to lay hold on it and activate it. And that is why sometimes people who are closest to anointed ministers sometimes do not also receive. 
Because for you to receive an anointing for healing from a vessel, you need to be able to discern the body. You need to be able to discern the body. Now, go to Acts 10.38. I need to finish this today. Acts 10.38. Come with me. Are you learning something tonight? Say yes if you are. Alright, Acts 10.38. You know Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. And how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. So Jesus was anointed to heal the sick. So Jesus was anointed to heal the sick. Praise God. Now, Jesus was anointed to heal the sick. So that anointing, I really want you to get this right. It's not a difficult message. It's very simple. That anointing in the life of Jesus to heal the sick, it's still available today, but it is in the body of Christ. In simplified terms, that anointing to heal the sick is in every one of us seated here tonight. Now, let me, let me summarize the message so in case I don't get to the end, you can follow. This is what I mean by this message. You don't even need to come to me to lay hands on you. If you can design the Lord's body very well, when you come to church and you are not feeling well, and you see Brother Cletus right there in the foyer, you can say, you know what? I'm not feeling well. I'm feeling pain. Can you agree with me in faith? To receive my healing. You don't need to come to me as your pastor to lay hands on you. That anointing is in the body of Christ. You have to discern it. You have to discern it. And I feel that this is a hard cry for God. That every one of us seated here tonight. The anointing to heal the sick. At least let me say the basic anointing to get any sickness healed is already within us. And if we design ourselves properly, instead of fighting ourselves and getting in strife and getting in quarrels, we will get together in unity and release that that anointing within our body and get ourselves healed. And I'll show you from scripture. So that's the summary. Where did I say she turned to? Matthew 13. Turn to Matthew 13. Show you something here. Matthew 13 and verse 58. Matthew thirteen fifty eight, Am I right? No, we've done Acts 10, 38. So after Acts, Matthew 13 and 58. Let's look at verse 53. So we're talking about receiving the healing anointing. Now, there are specific anointings in the body of Christ. The gifts of healing. First Corinthians chapter 12. I do not deny that. Okay? I, I, that's, that's evident. Some people are anointed. Now, uh, in, in your life, as you walk more, you will discover that you have uh, areas where your anointing is stronger if you flow in the gifts of healing. For instance, I have a strong anointing in the area of pains. I have a strong anointing in the area of pains. If I pray for 10 people and 9 people have pains, if I pray for 10 people and 9, if I pray for 10 people who have pains, the, 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 the success rate is almost like 9 of them will have their pains gone instantly. Okay? I mean, that's... I've, I've ministered... And that's why most times, if... Well, I really don't minister healing here. But most times if you travel with me, or people who travel with me, if I'm ministering to the sick, the first set of people I always call out is people with pains. If you've gone with me to preach anywhere. I'll just say, well, do you have anybody with pains here? And when people come out, I've seen 
I've seen very strong healing anointings in those areas. Brother Hagen had a very strong healing anointing in the areas of cancer. And tumors and all of that. So, so sometimes if you are called into the healing ministry, I'm not saying I'm called into the healing ministry. I operate healing as, as part of the believers. You know, because some, then, then people just sometimes attribute things to themselves when they see manifestation. Okay? But if you're called with the gifts of healing, sometimes you would, re, re, you would see uh, a particular area. You get healing constantly. And what now happens is over time when you observe that, your faith in that area is uh, you, it's more developed. You know, anything you exercise will grow. So sometimes you tend to always, for instance, like I said now, if I want to minister to people, most times I call for people who have pain. And so over time I've seen that, over time my faith is developed in that area. It'll be the same thing if I channel that anointing to, to another area or to, 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 to some other area. Now, Sometimes somebody say, yeah, but pastor, when I pray for the sick, I don't see healings. And I ask them, how many times do you pray for the sick? You can't see what you don't exercise constantly. So, I'll give you an example. Nothing against doctors. Doctors are fighting the same devil that, that preachers are fighting, which is to get people healed. Okay? Now, how many of you know a lot of... You don't need to raise your hand, but some of you know a lot of medicine, right? Okay, let me just give a, a, a simple example. What medicine right now is, is curing malaria? And, and what, what medicine? What's the, what's the brand now? What's, what's on ground for malaria? What's that? Lonat. What? Speak quickly now. This is your area. <laughs> Just give me Hamaten. Amatel. Okay, Lonat. We have Lonat. We have Amatel. Okay. Now, uh, you know the reason I don't know that? You, you know why I don't know that? Because <laughs> I don't engage it. Right? But if you tell me, well, can you give me a healing scripture from either the Old or the New Testament or tell me something about the healing scriptures? You know what? I'll give you. You know why? I engage that. I'm not saying don't buy drugs. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Now, you would only keep increasing in the area where you apply yourself. Are you following this? You know, some of us have bought drugs so much that we don't even need the doctor's prescription. We know how to mix it. We can just say, say no, 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 no. Don't take that or don't take And from experience and knowledge and research and consultations, we can let people know that, yeah, that will not work. So, if you don't exercise yourself also in ministering to the sick, you will not know even an area where you are effective in ministering to people. So, this is what I want you guys to do from this message. When someone is sick close to you next time, before you say, let me take them to my pastor, you go ahead and minister to them. You go ahead and say, can I pray with you? And somebody say, well, I don't have that anointing. No, the anointing to heal the sick is in the body of Christ. Are you part of the body? I didn't hear that. Are you part of the body of Christ? Are you in the body of Christ? That means it's in you. So you have to exercise it. You don't have to advertise, miracle worker now here. No. Just go about doing it. It should be a normal lifestyle for you. And you know where you need to start? From yourself. Before you go take your drugs, speak healing over yourself. 
There are sicknesses, this is a prophetic word, there are sicknesses coming on this earth that sciences, scientists and doctors got no clue about. Jesus is still the greatest physician. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You got to learn this and exercise your faith where this is concerned. Now, okay, quickly, quickly. Uh, Matthew chapter where? 13, verse 53. When Jesus had finished his parables, he departed from there. He came to his hometown and began teaching them in their synagogue. So they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and this miraculous powers from? Jesus was teaching. Now, now, they are to discern. Now, you know that this is Jesus as a singular person. Now, see how they are discerning Jesus. See, see, see how they are discerning him. See how they are seeing him. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Are his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all this? Look at verse 57. And they took offense at him. What did you read in First Corinthians chapter 11? Malice. Offense, strife. Can you see? They discern the body of Christ now, Jesus. And what did they take from that? They did not take the healing power. They took offense. You know why they took offense? They knew Jesus. I'll bet you. Take a survey. Ask any preacher I know. They get more miracles outside their local church than in their local church. Go and ask any pastor. They have more miracles outside their local church than in their local church. They get more people healed, right, that they don't know than people that they know. And you know the reason why? Discerning the body. You know, I've had people walk up to me in my office who are sick. I know when they come to ask me, they come to ask me for money. They're like, Pastor, I'm not feeling well. I need some money to go to the hospital. And I tell them, beautiful. Refer them to the welfare department and give them money. And then we got people who watch me on television. They will call the office and say they are sick. And they need me to pray for them. And I'll pray for them over WhatsApp and they'll get healed. And someone that I pastor wants my money. But don't want the anointing. And it's the same thing. If they didn't meet me in the office and they met any of my staff and they told them, well, pastor is not around. Can we pray with you? You know what they are going to tell them? No, I will come back. That's what, see, I'm not teaching this message to say everybody needs to look up to me for healing. That's not the essence of this message. You know why I'm teaching this message? If you come into the church and you don't meet me, you know that the healing anointing is in the body of Christ. And any staff, any usher, anybody who belongs to the body of Christ, if you would put your faith on the line, can get that sickness out of your body if you want to get healed. And I realize that most sick people don't want to get healed. You know why I say they don't want to get healed? Their attitude shows me. I minister healing to people and I say, well, get the healing book for free. Get healing scriptures and meditate two times. Get on the word. Praise God. Get on the word and get yourself healed. 
they will not listen to that instruction. But if they sit down in the doctor's office and the doctor says, you need to take this tablet three and a half times, get up at midnight, take it. With. Have you seen people measure water to take medicine? The doctor said two millimeters. It's two millimeters. It's two millimeters. They are that diligent. But they are not diligent with the word. If you will give me the same attention, if you give me the same honor that you will give a medical doctor, I guarantee you, I can get you healed. Why? Because the healing anointing is in the body of Christ. Jesus didn't take it to heaven. Jesus didn't leave us here at the mercy of sickness. No. God anointed Jesus so he can get the oppressed set free. And if you will pay the same attention you pay in church to the same attention you pay when you're sitting with your doctor, I can get you healed. And that's a guarantee on the name and on the word of Jesus. We need to ask ourselves, how serious are we about this thing? Let's read on. Look at what it says. And they took offense at him. Now, what did Jesus do that they were offended at him? Because they knew him. Imagine if your parents are sick now. Your mother is sick, right? You now. And you go home. And say, can I pray with you? Your mother says, go on, go on, go on, go to the kitchen. Food is ready. Do, do you understand? Am I right? Am I right? But do you know that you can go on evangelism to the hospital and get people healed? And your mother, I mean, not your mother, somebody else's mother, because I don't want people to do God forbidding service, but somebody else's mother can get, can die of a sickness that they got other people to be free from. So, listen, the body of Christ can get healed if they will discern what's in the body. Instead of allowing offense and anger and strife. Are you hearing this? Look at this. <laughs> uh, they took offense at him, but Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and in his own household. This is one scripture you should not fulfill in your life. It says, a prophet is not without honor. Let's read it. If we read it and we break it. It says, a prophet is not without honor. There are only two places a prophet is without honor. In his hometown and among his own household. And you know the funny thing? That's what happens to us. When we belong to the same body of Christ, when we belong to the same local church, after a while, we get so familiar with ourselves that we lose that honor for one another and we don't allow the grace and the anointing of God to flow amongst us. And you, you get my point here. I'm not talking about just the pastor now. I'm talking about the body. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's like, it's like you're not feeling well and a brother from church comes to, to visit you. You know, your mind will really not go that, hey, come on, brother, thank God you're here. Can you join your faith with mine and let's just pray over this and I believe that I'll, I'll be in church. You would likely not see it like that. Ah, thank you. Pastor sent you to come and check me. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Tell Pastor that I'm nowhere low. Come on. Do you think that's going to be our response? That's going to be our response. But you know, that response tells us that we haven't discerned well what the body of Christ is. God doesn't want to raise superstars. He wants to raise sons. 
everybody to come to this level where we can be proficient in the anointing of God. Because you will reach people that I will never reach in my life. Not everybody will come and sit here and listen to me. Not everybody will tune the TV. Not everybody will get on a live broadcast. But there are people that only you can reach. And if those people want to get healed, you are the one that has to get them healed, not me. And so God cannot leave all the deposit of the anointing on, on my life alone. Praise God. I said, praise God. Look at this now. Um, okay. And it did not do many miracles there because of their own belief. Because of their own belief. Because of their own belief. Now let me show you a popular scripture that we've interpreted wrongly. Psalm 105. Very popular scripture. Psalm 105. I know some of you don't even know where this scripture is, but if I quote it now, you will know it. Hmm? Verse 15. Now, if you read Psalm 105, verse 15, he says, the King James Version, the King James Version, what does the King James Version say? Read it loud, loud and clear, quickly. Okay, so the King James Version says, Touch not my anointed, and do my prophet no harm. When you hear that scripture, and all the times you've been hearing that scripture, what comes to your mind? Huh? Your pastor, right? Okay, who has the New King James Version? New King James Version. Who has the New King James Version? Now, if you read the New King James Version, you will see that it corrected that, that translation. If you read the New American Standard Bible, it says, Do not touch my anointed ones, and do my prophets no harm. That word anointed one was never in the singular. It was in the plural. It wasn't referring to a man of God. It was referring to the company of Israel. How do I know that? Let's read the context. Back up two verses before that. Back up, back up, quickly, quickly. Come, come, come up to verse 9. The covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac, he confirmed it to Jacob for a statute to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying to you, I'll give the land of Canaan as the portion of your inheritance. When they were, they were, only a few men in number, very few, and strangers in it, and they, observe the conversation, they, and they wandered from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people. He permitted no man to oppress them, they, them. And he reproved kings for their sake. They, them, their. So, if I use they, them, their, am I talking singular or plural? Oh, come on now, this is just basic. If I use they, them, their, is it singular or plural? So, I'm referring to a company of people, right? So, obviously, this verse is referring to the children of Israel when they were living in Egypt. Am I right? Now, am I right? Then he goes on to say, do not touch my anointed ones. Who are the anointed ones? The Israelites. And do my prophets no harm. Who were the prophets? The children of Israel. They were a prophetic community and they were an anointed community. What does it mean to be anointed? They were consecrated as God's holy priest. And so, every Israelite need to see themselves that 
I'm anointed. Now, this is not to now say, well, you know what? I'm anointed. I don't need my pastor. That's the extreme of this message. That's not what I'm teaching. Because he gave some to be pastors. Are Are you hearing what I'm saying? But this is to make you understand that, you know what? There is a mandate on my life to get the healing anointing of God out there. And so he was referring to the company. So if you, read, if, you use the new, if you use any other translation apart from the King James, you will see that that word is in plural. A lot of the church ignorance can be cured if they would read other translations apart from King James. I can't tell you how many people have stuck to the King James and went off erroneously. And sometimes when you tell people, well, let's look at the Greek word, say, no, this is not about Greek. But you will miss this if you read this even in context. You know, I, I heard someone re- read one time concerning the works of my hands, command ye me. And he said, even the Bible says we should command God. Say, command him, command him. If you read the few verses before that, he was even he was rebuking them. And in fact, he was asking a question concerning the works of my hands, command ye me. Not concerning the works of my hand, command me. You can't command God concerning the works of his hands. Are you hearing what I'm saying? These are very important things and foundational. Now, then, let's uh, let's go to Max's thing. I think I can end it. Whoa, Max's thing. Got a couple of more scriptures, but I think I can end in Max's thing. I'll show you this. I hope you've gotten the message and you understand it. Um. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Uh, Mark chapter 16 and verse 14. Let me just do Mark 16, 14 and then we can wrap up. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You know, it's easy for us to come together in fellowship and just release our faith and release the healing power of God in our midst. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. It's easy for us to come together and just release God's power. Because you know how I want this church to work? I mean, I want that as we're growing and as we do our healing meetings, when we call for the sick and we have sick people come up and we're trusting God for healing, I want it to just be easy to tell everybody who's seated on the front row to lay hands on the people who've come forward and then we see the same power at work. We see the same miracle at work. Praise God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I mean, we want to have healing meetings and see our ushers able to heal the sick. And see our children, teachers, just get involved and able to heal the sick. Because the healing anointing is in the body. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is not about a man. It's about Jesus. And he's willing to use every one of us to get our feet on the line. If we spend more time on the word and spend more time meditating on the, on the things of the spirit, the Lord will make us. You know, there was a hunger there's a hunger. I mean, there's a hunger in our heart that must be for the things of the Spirit. There must be a hunger to know God, to walk in the miraculous, to see the power of God at work in our generation again. We mustn't settle down for these things. No, we mustn't. We mustn't. We mustn't settle for this shallow. No, no, no. There's more in God. You see, all the revivals we've read about, all the power of God we've read about, they didn't leave the earth. They came in response to people who were hungry for God. 
They came in response to people who spent time on the word. They came in response to people who spent time meditating on scriptures and deciding that, you know what? I'm going to be that one person that God will use. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God responds to hunger. Oh, God responds to hunger. If you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. God responds to hunger. There's a hunger that must be in your heart for the things of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Mark 16. Afterward, verse 14, he appeared to eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table and he approached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. Can you imagine? Three and a half years after these guys walked to Jesus, they still had unbelief and hardness of heart. Because they had not believed those who had seen after he had risen. Jesus taught them that he would rise again. And people told them, Jesus had risen. He said, we will not agree. They didn't believe. <laughs> you know, that's what I tell people sometimes. This thing called believing in something, it takes time. You know, you can hear this message now. And you're on fire. Hmm? Have you heard people share testimony? When we finished convention, as we were going home, I saw an accident. I prayed for somebody. He came from the dead or something happened. You know, it's people born. People born. When you hear a message like this, boom, I tell you. You can do anything. And then the landlord comes and you have not paid your rent. Hmm? Somebody you are owing sends you WhatsApp. The hardness of heart begins to come. Say, leave, leave miracles. So it's not somebody who has paid rent that will be paid for sick people. Anybody who is, you know, you're not making some kind of funny call. Anybody who is sick now can die with his sickness. I don't care. I, want to, I just want to blow. <laughs> and, and you know, we talk down on the anointing. We talk down on the things of the Spirit. And after, the zeal goes off. The zeal goes off. There must be a hunger in your heart that is sustained for the supernatural. Praise God. I said, praise God. You know, I'm not someone who's been privileged to see special revelations from God. When I started working in the healing ministry and praying for the sick, it wasn't any special thing. It was an act of faith. In fact, the first person we prayed for, myself and my friends, I told you the story before, when in school we had this meeting, and there was this guy who was not working, was paralyzed. We took him to the corner of the building. We were praying for him. We just said, we'll pray for him here. Yeah, if he walks, fine. If he does not walk, we can run from there. We prayed and prayed almost two hours. The guy did not walk. We ran and left the guy. I mean, <laughs> God forgive us. We don't even know how he went back. <laughs> I mean, that's it. That's it. That's it. I mean, I prayed from people, laid hands on them. By the time I took my hands off, they were more sick than, than I laid hands on them. But I didn't, I didn't give up. I say this all the time. I mean, God forbid it will never happen. That's not where my faith is. But even, I mean, it will not happen. But if I die because of a result of sickness, you're permitted to put on my tomb. This one died believing in divine healing. I don't care what happens to my body. The reality is that God is a good God and He heals all diseases. I'm not teaching my experience. I'm teaching the truth of God's Word. And if I want to walk in the healing ministry, I'm not going by my experience. I've laid hands on people that didn't get healed. I've laid hands on people and they got healed. I choose to go with the ones who get healed. Why didn't those people get healed? I'm not here to answer those questions. I don't know. But I'll keep laying hands and keep getting more people healed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because you need to come to the point where you're not just believing God for yourself to get healed. You need to come to the point where God can trust you to get others healed. Because you are the eyes of Jesus. You are the hands of Jesus. If you don't get it done, nobody else will get it done. And this thing can be the difference 
between life and death in the life of someone. Are you hearing this now? Mark's sister. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Now, when we read Mark 16, 15, do we take it as a scripture for, for ourselves? Do we today say, Jesus told us to go into the world and preach the gospel? Come on church, quickly. Do we take it? Do we agree that God is speaking to us? To go into all the world and preach the gospel? Fantastic, you are brilliant. Let's read on. He who has believed, has been baptized, shall be saved. But he who disbelieves shall be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed. Who are the signs going to accompany? Who are those who believe? Those who believe what? It's simple now. You are sent to preach the gospel. Right? It says those who believe the gospel that you're preaching. Okay, let's read it again. Verse 15. And he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creatures. Okay? He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. But he who is disbelieved shall be condemned. These signs will accompany, will follow those who have believed in the gospel, in the message, in my name. They will cast out demons. Do you agree with that? They will speak with new tongues. Do we agree with that? So that means this is for everybody. Am I right? Am I right? They will pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly person, it will not hurt them. They will, they will lay hands on the sick. And what will happen? They will recover. Who is supposed to do this? Now the word recovery means that some healings will not be instant. If you say somebody is recovering, so sometimes you minister to someone and they don't get healed instantly, doesn't mean that the healing anointing is not at work. They are recovering. Sometimes when you take drugs from the doctor, it doesn't mean that immediately you take the first dose. It's gone. No. I mean, it's gone, but you still feel the symptoms. It's the same thing sometimes with the healing anointing. It doesn't come instantly. Sometimes people are healed instantly. Sometimes Jesus laid hands on a man twice. Laid hands on him first of all, and he saw men as trees. I mean, you know, that would be wrong to give him a driver's license at that time. Because the guy would say, I'm driving in a forest. And meanwhile, he's killing people. Then Jesus laid hands on him again. I remember... Uh, one of the healing, one of the meetings, I prayed for people who were not feeling fine. I prayed for a lady and asked her, "How's the pain?" She said, "Oh, the pain has gone gone down a bit." I prayed for her again. I prayed for her like three times, and then the pain went off. What do you do? You increase the dosage. It's like giving 500 milligrams of the healing anointing and saying, "Jesus' name, how's the pain?" Says reduced. Okay, well we do 500 more. <laughs> In Jesus' name, how's it? I mean, I've laid hands on people for like ten times. Just get the pain gone. Praise God. It's like you apply a painkiller to someone and then the pain is so much that painkiller didn't work. Well, you check again and you just apply another one. The healing anointing works the same way medicine works. But you know, sometimes we're not patient. The way we're patient with doctors. You know, some of you have gone to the hospital and doctors have given you wrong dosage. For a whole week, you're on wrong medicine. I came back and said, ah, you would have told me now. I mean, one week. Imagine you came and I prayed for you. And after one week you didn't get hit, I said, Oh, okay, come, let me pray for you again. Say, Pastor, you don't have power. <laughs> Are you understanding that? Because we're more patient with the doctors than we're patient with ministers. But let's go. He says, So when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was received up in heaven and sat down and right on hand of God. Verse 20. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord walked with them and confirmed the word by the signs that followed. So what happened? They took this message of Jesus and went everywhere. And as they preached the word, 
the signs that Jesus promised follow them. One of those signs is that they lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Now, you know what? If you don't lay hands on the sick, you will not see recovery. God will not lay hands on the sick. You lay hands on the sick. You experience the recovery. Praise God. James chapter... Uh, can we do James? James 5. Uh, let me see, let me see, let me see, let me see, let me see. Let me see how much time we have. Just be turning to James. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. So we have to activate this thing. We have to activate this thing. We have to activate this thing. Because God wants to see us walk in His power. And walk in His glory. I challenge you tonight. Take a hold of this message. Listen to it. Over. And over. And over again. And you know what you're going to see? The glory of God at work in your life. The glory of God at work in your life. God wants us to move in the miraculous. You know, I'll tell you this. God is not withholding His power from us. God is not withholding His power from us. God wants us to walk in the fullness of His power and the fullness of His glory. Don't look down on yourself. Don't think like, no, I can't work in this. Or don't tell yourself, oh, no, 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 no. That's for some special people. I'm not very spiritual. No. Let's read this. James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Verse, verse 12. Look at this. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath. But let your yes be yes and your no be no so that you may not fall under judgment. You see again, this is when we deal with people and we're not honest with people. Verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Look at this. Is anyone sick among you? Then he must call for the elders of the church. And they are to pray over him. Anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. He didn't say the oil will heal him. He says, and the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Look at verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you might be healed. Then he goes on to say, the effective prayer of a righteous man accomplished much. Do you know what? In the church, we always emphasize the effective prayer of a righteous man availed much. We don't emphasize the fact that it says, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another so that you might be healed. You see, we can't take that scripture out of the context of the body. It says, pray for one another so you might be healed. So God expects us to pray for one another. That's where I'm going. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? When you see your brother is not feeling well, come into church with a limp. You should have the boldness to say, hey, come on, what's going on? Is there something I can pray with you about? <laughs> That's how God wants the body to function. That's how God wants the body to function. You know, it's like you come to church and all the time you spend chatting. You know, you know, when people are sick and we come to church early, you know what we tell them? And we're talking. Say, hi, is this your... Ah, ah sorry, oh, hey, sorry. Is this happening you? Yes, ah, sorry, oh, sorry. And then you know what we do quickly? Then we go about recommending every other thing else. And not prayer. 
How many of you think I'm telling the truth? We recommend every other thing else and not prayer because in our mind it won't work. But God wants us to pray. How many of us are going to take that faith challenge? I say, hey, I'm going to stretch my faith. I'm going to minister to the sick. That's how we raise our kids. When they say they have pain somewhere else, the first thing we tell them, put your hands there, speak over it. Speak to yourself. Confess, speak, declare. Declare. Just a lifestyle of faith. Let's be on our faith. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And if you're sick, you can receive your healing right now. You lay hold. You don't need hands to be laid on you. The healing anointing is within the body. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Let's lift our hands and just receive that healing anointing right now. Oh, from the crown of our head to the soles of our faith. Kalo solo vere kataseno maste. Oh, vrena namaste. Folo Christo vere hese. Let's receive that healing anointing. Oh, shekta lahate koste. Eh, kloste vara hastes. Ombre di kuste sus de bash. Nestos of relaxed. Nextos of Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.